I just, idiot, this guy is such a gobshite. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. We'll be looking around the league at a couple of games. We no longer have any undefeated teams left, so it's all opening up a little bit. We've got some news, we've got some mid-season awards to show you, and then we're going to move on to looking at the games for next week. So hey, we got Connor here, we got Ronan. Hello. And we got uh, Harry. Yes, that's my name. And I believe Fitz, you're going to be coming up to join us in Dublin at some point soon. Yeah, there'll be a fun little uh, soldier in there. Should be good crack. Coincide uh, with the... The Fiesta football that will be happening on Monday night, I believe. Yeah. Arriba, arriba. Uh, should be great fun. Be staying up, taking the Tuesday off work and watching Monday night football when the Chiefs take on the Rams in a couple of weeks' time. So that's going to be some good crack. Yeah, I'm heading off to Cardiff this weekend. So if I'm not on the next uh, pod, it's because I am dead. Uh, <laughs> we're going on a lads, lads, lads stag do to Cardiff with like 25 lads. I... Uh, I don't know how well it's going to go, but yeah, it should be fine. And then uh, the missus is heading off to Iraq, so uh, I'll have a bit of free time in the house to uh, study and to watch football without disturbing anyone on Sunday whenever I try to go to bed at one o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be fantastic. So we'll move on first to some of the news stories from around the league. First up, I suppose we'll start up in Baltimore, where head coach John Harbaugh is said to be under pressure at the moment. They haven't been getting a huge amount of performance out of a team. We saw a very strong start to the season from them. Uh, definitely almost the only good defense in the NFL at the start of this year. Yet now they've fallen back to 500. They're losing control of that division. Their offense hasn't been able to get anything done. And for some reason, they keep running Lamar Jackson out there to, to, to just do trick plays rather than try and get any form of rhythm going. I believe when we were watching the, them play on the weekend, we kept saying there's like eight terrible plays and then one very nice play and then another eight terrible plays. They've already got the GM on the way out. So do we think that they could clean shop entirely or do we think this is just idle chatter? I think with the way things have been going, it definitely sounds like it's an organization which is unhappy with the basically mediocrity of what's happened there. They've been basically eight and eight more or less every season for I think three or four more seasons at this point. Mm -hmm. Obviously not making the playoffs for an organization which kind of expects that. But I think at the end of the day, John Harbaugh has earned the right to be considered one of the better coaches in the league and perhaps his only major mistake was winning a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco and then being yeah. stuck with him. <laughs> as for as for the Lamar Jackson situation, he, he has been speculating this week himself that he's considering doing a whole drive with Lamar Jackson. So perhaps there's a case there that John Harbaugh, I think he's safe certainly to the end of the season. This doesn't seem like an organization that will fire him in season. But I think he's currently, like he do a whole series with Lamar Jackson, kind of talking about that kind of stuff. That kind of indicates to me that maybe he knows where the future is going to be at the quarterback position. And if he can establish that he will know what to do with a kind of type of offensive talent like Lamar Jackson is, which is so different from Joe Flacco, then maybe he is the guy to kind of bring that along next year and the year after. To be honest, there's like probably half the league uh, in terms of organizations would die to get a coach like John Harbaugh. So it'd be surprising to happen, but I suppose maybe you get too used to something kind of fall out of love with it, even if it is pretty good. Yeah, no, of course. It'll be interesting to see how that develops. Bruce Arians has also been uh, talking about coaching and saying that the Browns is the only coaching job that he would consider and was talking about Chuck Pagano for the role. Uh, I don't remember Chuck Pagano being a good coach. No, because he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be a very good, very Browns move to pick him up. It's interesting to see Arians. He seemed fairly done coming towards the end of his time in Arizona. Yeah. 
not only like his the team, his style of play had sort of been figured out a bit and it was getting stale, but also um, he just seemed like he was getting to the age. But I suppose, you know, when you've lived your whole life coaching football and then you step away for a bit, the kind of the itch comes back. And to be honest, the Browns are under uh, the first game under Greg Williams wasn't exactly a resounding success. No, no. Kept it, kept it, like... It always looked close, but it never felt like that game was no. outside of Casey's control. So it's an interesting one. Like, if Arians goes for it, I think Cleveland would be mad not to take him, even just for a year, to see if there's mm-hmm. a stabilization effect and if he can start putting pieces in place. Yeah. And if you do it on the short term, it's also like, well, look, if Arians really just doesn't have it anymore and his heart really isn't in it, then it's grand we can move on. But they should be staying well the hell away from Chuck Pagano. I think it's important to note that like, after it came out, and that was kind of the quote that was picked up by the media, uh, Bruce Arians like, basically did come out and say, like, oh, this, I was mostly just talking about Chuck Pagano, and I just mentioned like, Cleveland's one of those jobs. Uh, like, it's a job I would take, but like, I'm not actually imminently going to take it. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, if, if you put that out there, you, you never know. But I think right now he's saying it's not what he expects it to do. It's just something you get speculate about. My, my thoughts on this at the moment is that I think I think that the Browns should hire Jim Harbaugh uh, and then have the pair of them play against each other in division. Or, even better, if uh, Baltimore release John Harbaugh, hire him and uh, just take yeah. their coach. That would be fantastic. And then let that the Baltimore Ravens hire Jim instead. It would be <laughs> phenomenal. I think, I think it would be the best option for all teams involved. Rashad Jones, the Miami player, benched himself during the New York Jets at Miami game. I didn't hear a huge amount of clarification from him afterwards. Like, was it just not, in, like, not liking the team, not feeling that it was worth his time? Was it an injury? Was it an illness? What was driving this? Or was it just he looked at the Miami team and said, fuck am I getting injured for playing for this? Well, there's very little information at the moment. I mean, Miami have actually bizarrely managed to keep this one kind of under wraps. Jones himself hasn't really come out and talked about what it was. Uh, the media have asked players like Cameron Wake, who were seen with him during the game when he pulled himself out. They're also saying, look, it's none of your business. It's between him and whatever. And Gase has come out and said, we're on the same page, but we've got some issues to work out. So it looks like they're they're dealing with it in-house. There may be an element of like, fuck it, I'm not playing for this team anymore, but like Miami, they're not as good as their record suggests they are. There's still a chance that this team could scrape a wild card if they're able to put things together. We saw them again, like when they're up against bad teams like the Jets, no matter how shitty they are, they're still able to beat them. And of course, teams coming down to play in South Florida often have a very difficult time. So it's a weird one. I don't know if there's too much to speculate on here. Just, just slip that little bit in there. The, uh, yeah, it's not the Pat's yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Um, but yeah, like no, no, no. They they've still got their away game to play, so that's a loss on the Pat's record. It is indeed. It is indeed. But like, look, I just think it's it's a weird one. I wouldn't wouldn't want to speculate until we find out what it is. It could be health related. He could have. It could just be that he's fed up with the team. Yeah. But um, well, like yeah, he we didn't. Know. Like he didn't. He didn't officially retire uh, at halftime. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's a step up. <laughs> All of these things happen in your fucking division, don't they? Yeah. Lucky goddamn because Patriots. Three fans. of the teams are completely dysfunctional, yeah. like. And uh, finally, Lev Bell must report by November the twelfth if he is to use up his year of the franchise tag. Otherwise, he will not be able to enter free agency as he would otherwise. He needs to basically come in and sign so he's there for the adequate amount of weeks. Uh, they are playing on Thursday night football this week, so we're expecting him to then land in after that. Uh, so that's our belief on that. We'll move on and have a look at a couple of injuries around the league. Uh, Washington apparently uh, have lost most of their offensive line at this point. Guard Brandon Sheriff is a torn pectoral guard. Luvac has an ACL tear, and also wide receiver Paul Richardson has an ACL joint injury. They are all out for the ser- for the for the season, which means if in fantasy football terms, as Fitz did today, sell 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 on Adrian Peterson. This has to be a knock for the team who's looking to like 
control that uh, NFC East division. Uh, this is in combination with the injury talk of last week. Trent Williams is now expected to be the guy for another few weeks, so that's their left tackle gone as well. So they have their centre, and I think they were on their second right tackle. So I think for a team, like, you know, some teams could deal with this or, you know, they could move around it, and they have made a number of moves. They, they signed Austin Howard, Jonathan Cooper, Luke Bowenaco, whoever the hell that is, to, like, that's two guards and a, and a tackle. Surely you know all these, like, terrible offensive linemen. They all played I for the Seattle, Howard, right? Jonathan Cooper. I don't know Luke Bowenaco. That's a new one to me, even. <laughs> so, like, but for a team which obviously has a certain way of playing, it's very similar to that kind of Dallas template, basically. You know, you run the ball really well. You grind up the clock. You control the time of possession. Obviously, kind of an old-school type way of football. This is an incredibly disaster because it's like Brandon Treff, probably one of the best guards in the league. Guavu was kind of like a breakout candidate. So if you can't get the push on your offensive line to open holes for uh, Adrian Peterson, who's basically been the engine of your team, then you're going to have to hand the ball over to Alex Smith and see what he can do. And now he's down his best wide receiver in Paul Richardson. So now you're hoping, like, well, like Maurice Harris will save the day. He had like a nice game, but like he's not going to pull the entire team forward. I don't think they'll like turn into a completely terrible team because their defense is okay, but they're going to become an even more boring team to watch. Yeah, no, of course. A uh, couple of other season-ending injuries. Uh, Matt Pardis is centre for the Denver Broncos. has fractured his fibula. Uh, offensive guard Kyle Long has injured his foot and he's gone as well. And uh, Rasheem Mozart, the new running back in San Francisco, has broken his arm and he's gone for the season. Uh, Harry, any of them stand out to you? Like, Denver and San Fran are kind of out of the running, but it's going to hurt Chicago's hopes with their losing guards like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a blow, but, like, honestly, the Chicago team is... Look, it's a problem, right? But this Chicago team hasn't actually been running the ball particularly well in the interior for the last few weeks anyway. Their scheme hasn't really been... has moved away from that anyway over the last mm-hmm. few weeks, shall we say. So I don't think it's going to have an enormous impact. We've seen that they're they're relying a lot more on kind of the sort of guys like Taylor Gabriel and Tarek Cohen. Yeah. Guys who can take swing passes and sort of the scat back kind of trick play wide receiver, gadget mm-hmm. play wide receiver, rather. So I don't think it's going to make a huge amount of difference. Obviously, it's... Um, makes it harder for when they do want to, you know, control clock and pound Jordan Howard and run stuff like that. But that's not really how they've been playing so far this season. So I don't think it's going to have a huge impact load as the loss of a, a talented player. No, of course. A couple of other injuries around the league. New Orleans, uh, Marcus Davenport injured his toe and he's out for a few weeks. Uh, Jalen Mills, foot sprain week to week. Geronimo Allison uh, has injured his core and is getting surgery, so he's out for a couple of weeks. Cincinnati wide receiver AJ Green has injured his toe and is apparently getting it looked at by some specialists at the moment and he's currently listed as week to week. And Jawan James off in the tackle for Miami has a strained patellar tendon and he is also week to week. So uh, any of those stand out to you? Not really. The only one that's fun is Green Bay now having lost their wide receiver with the fun name, Geronimo Allison. They now get two with equally fun names. Yes. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equianimus St. Brown to step up. So Equiminius. I'm all over this shit. Like. What a job. Yeah, they, they, they probably do have one of the strongest name games around at the moment. Crime and punishment. Uh, an ex-Vikings defensive tackle, Sheriff Floyd, is now done. He cannot play anymore and he's filing a $180 million lawsuit against Dr. James Andrews uh, saying that the reason he doesn't have a career anymore is because of a surgery gone wrong in his institute. Uh, Fitz, one, do you think that there's any legitimacy to this claim? And two, like, do we care? Well, I think it's, it's, it's unfortunate for Sharif Floyd. He was looking like a very promising player for Minnesota. I think they're okay. Like They're, they're pretty good at defensive tackles regardless. Uh, but it's just confirmation that he's basically retired now, which is probably required to make the suit work. There's not really enough detail here to really know whether his suit has a high chance of succeeding or not. 
but like it wouldn't surprise me if they opened up this with some kind of out of court settlement in some case. Mm-hmm. You know, start yeah. large, level for you know a few tens millions, uh, and that's probably how this will end up. I think for you know a, a medical institute like uh, the Andrews Institute, that's usually how these things end up. So. Yeah, like it's, it's you know it's unfortunate for him, and we'll see if this affects their business. The Andrews to see him around if there's any other kind of knock on there, but uh, not too much if interest to the pure football fan from this after that. It's mm-hmm. also worth noting that um, he's currently in a grievance as well against the Vikings, and uh, not specifically because of the injury, but because when he initially got this injury, they put him on the NFI list, which obviously impacts how much oh, money he was yes, paid. Of course. Whereas he's arguing that it was in fact because technically the injury came as a result of potentially spot surgery, but he's arguing that it was still from something that happened at Warfield. So that's one to keep an eye on as well from that perspective. I think there's only about, I say only about 6 million involved in that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that 180 million figure screams I'm going for a settlement. Yeah, it does a bit. And obviously they, like these guys probably just don't want, they know that this is bad press for a large scale institute like that and probably be able to get some pressure that way. Trades, extensions, signings, cuts, etc. cetera. Uh, Arizona have decided to release Sam Bradford. He was doing so much for them. <laughs> <laughs> so he is now free he cleared waivers unsurprisingly so he is now free to sign with wherever he wants so we will see how that goes do we see anyone looking at him I, maybe Denver maybe the uh, Andrews Institute of Medicine might have some uh, experiments <laughs> on his knees you know <laughs> <laughs> oh. so if someone goes down late maybe someone gets desperate but there's no reason why you would do it right now yeah I mean well there is a reason you do it right now and that's because you are the Buffalo Bills but <laughs> they seem pretty committed to their carousel of... How long before Terrell Pryor starts in Buffalo? That's what I want to know. Yeah, well, I think, I think that we're definitely going to see them try and do some trick plays to him, and then they're going to mess up the trick plays, and then he's going to come out in the media and be like, well, we would win these games if they just let me play at quarterback normally, and then it'll start. Uh, you, know, you know they've actually had four starting quarterbacks this year? Because they started one game in the Wildcats, so LaShawn McCoy has an 0-1 record at starting quarterback this season. Excellent, excellent. Oakland, because they are Oakland, decide after trading their pass rusher and then coming out to the media and saying, do you know what, it's really hard to find a pass rusher. They've released another pass rusher. And linebacker Bruce Irving has been released for, really, I don't know why, to yeah, be honest. They were trying to trade him and then they released him, even though I think there's a bit of guaranteed money that they're basically going to lose out of. They don't really make any cap savings, so no reason, it seems. Well, John Gruden reasons. Well, I think the John Gruden reason would appear that they wanted to sign Coney Ely. And see- well, like that's in the past, and therefore <laughs> it must be good. Oh my God, I can't <laughs> believe I should make that reference. Like, good God, I don't know. This, this Oakland team, and we will discuss it probably later on in the season but like well actually we'll discuss when we're discussing our, our mid-season awards <laughs> but uh, holy fuck guys Jesus that, like they've got another year left in Oakland like can you imagine how dismal the ticket sales are going to be next year like maybe they hope to save on like the destruction costs because the fans will literally rip down that is a barrage, yeah. Detroit have released oh the Admir Abdullah uh, experiment is finally dead to make space for Bruce Ellington ouch uh, these are yeah this is um. Their names you've heard of, but not in any kind of positive way. Not really, no. <laughs> uh, Isn't Bruce was... Ellington some type of old jazz musician? <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a slot receiver, so presumably they're just trying to cut more options in, in place of Golden Tate. Yeah, uh, Abdullah will find, probably find a landing spot. I reckon. Like, there's teams will be interested in kicking the tires on him. He's young. Oh, he's shown flashes. Forty so. Niners after that injury will probably be looking for someone to stick in yeah, Mozart's position. True. And the New England Patriots have signed safety Obi Melafonwu. Uh, Second round pick in 2017 of the. 
Uh, Oakland Raiders. Oakland Raiders. Yeah, oh, yeah. of course. Yeah, very good. Good God, they are trash, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, um, but to be fair, so is Malifaux move. Yeah, it's true. I think I think we actually we had a look at him a couple of weeks ago. He's been trying to find a job for a bit. Um, yeah, this is going to be the bit that's going to push them over the top. <laughs> Got um, other bits of news. Uh, Chris Johnson is now officially retired after ten seasons. CJ two K. Yeah, a lot of the players retire in de facto like years yeah. after they actually retire. When was it? Like, was it was it a year and a half ago? The last time he played a snap. I think so. No, I thought he played last year under Bruce Arians. Did he? I didn't think he had yeah. a job. Oh God, maybe he did. Like. Three periods. Fair enough. Oh, um, that's depressing. I, interesting player was kind of. Good for a few years, but they, I think he was always eternally seen as one who, like, whose college tape and college career didn't really translate as well to the NFL system outside of I think two peak years. Well, yeah, they were pretty good peaks, to be fair. They were like, uh, all pro in two thousand nine, rushed for two thousand yards, obviously I think mm-hmm. that season. But yeah, no, he never was able to consistently put it together. In other news, we saw our first protesting cheerleader. The cheerleader decided to kneel during the national anthem at the Oakland at San Francisco game. Probably the most exciting thing about that Battle of the Bay, to be honest. <laughs> like yeah, Nick Mullins. Oh yeah, well Nick, Nick Mullins, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's interesting. I don't think there's much of a story to this. No, good for her, like. Yeah, well, it's just interesting because I suppose the kneeling thing's kind of gone down, and there's only a handful of players doing it. So to see it kind of. Have someone else do it. It's kind of interesting, especially because cheerleaders in the background. There's been a lot of suits coming out. Yeah, there's a number of lawsuits because they haven't been paid. Maybe they're trying to get some profile for that or something like that. But uh, hopefully, she doesn't get too many death threats. Yeah, yeah. Here's hoping. And uh, of course, Hugh Jackson has uh, been out in the media talking a whole bag of shit. So he has not taken his firing well, it would appear, and has decided to inform everyone that he would have made almost every decision that was made differently and if they had only listened to him they would have been fine that he wanted to draft any of like Wentz and Mahomes and all these people <laughs> that he had his eye on Tyreek Hill and his eye on like all these players who people found in the late rounds he's like I was banging the table for this guy and like all this come. Please, back in the early 2000s, I would have taken Tom Brady in the fifth, you know? Oh, yeah, like, I just... This guy is such a gobshite. Did you know, right? I did not realise this. When he was coaching the Oakland Raiders, Mm -hmm. and I think it might be the last time this has ever happened, they kicked off in both halves by mistake. Because you... If you choose to kick rather than choose to defer, the other team get the option in the second half. Yes. So he chose to kick and then had to kick twice for his first game as a head coach. That team went eight and eight. That shows like the level of moron that you're dealing. This with. is a talking himself out of a fucking job because as much as this has been a disaster, there will be college teams or there will be teams that need an OC or a offensive positions coach, like quarterback coach maybe, that will look at Hugh Jack uh, Hugh and say there's this work he did elsewhere that indicates that he just may be a shitty head coach, but he could given a chance if he goes into a different coaching position. But if he's talking off like this and just flailing around, bad-mouthing everyone and talking about, oh, how he's been given such a rough ride, mm-hmm. like, how does he think this is going to translate into a job? Like, this is this so is, stupid. Oh, yeah, it is just ridiculous. Petulant. Like, I... And it's not like he's got anything he can hang his hat on here. Like, there's nothing at all. Like, just shut the fuck up and wait until someone desperately needs someone to step in for six weeks to do a cover job. Get in that way and then be fine. Or just be quiet and get for a job in, like, the NFL head office or something, you know? Oh, I don't know. Hugh Jackson. Look how exasperated you go down. He's... He's... He's somehow... 
even more annoying now that he doesn't have a, like he doesn't have a team to ruin so he's trying to ruin our lives <laughs> it's kind of similar to all the people on Twitter right now are like how how is Nate Peterman actually a quarterback right now EJ Manuel apparently came out and said oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that like, like Hugh Jackson is to coaching as Nate Peterman is to quarterbacking so yeah. just the, the mere concept that it happens in any way no, that's, 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 that's actually very unfair on Nathan Peterman because at least Nathan Peterman doesn't actually think he's good at being a quarterback well, <laughs> he thinks he's like, God's uh, child yeah but he's, he's okay with that that's his, that's his like, justification for shit at being a quarterback there was, an, in, there was an interesting stat I saw actually just when we were mentioning uh, Nathan Peterman about the Buffalo offense I can't remember the exact thing I think it's since Josh Allen went down, the Buffalo offense have scored one touchdown and allowed six touchdowns to be scored on them. That's, yeah, I was offense. That team is on pace for six passing touchdowns this year. They, um, they are currently, they would currently be a much, much better team. Think about this for a second. They would, on average, score more points on offense if they just punted on first down every time they got the ball at the moment. They would also actually have a, be a better team if instead of throwing the ball to Kelvin Benjamin, the quarterback just spiked it. Oh yes, I heard this. Yeah, he's, he's actually a negative. <laughs> lower, <laughs> lower, lower passer rating when targeting uh, Kelvin Benjamin than you do for throwing the ball into the ground. Like, yeah, it is a little bit... Because the thing is, we don't really get to talk about this very much because we try to avoid talking about these teams because they just make us sad. But these things, these are just too funny. They make us happy. And speaking of which, we're going to move on to our midpoint of the year awards so we'll have a look at a few of these we won't go through them all because some of them haven't been finalised yet but uh, so we will start off with our comeback player of the year award I think we were all pretty close on this one and said uh, so at this halfway point it looks to be and we're all in agreement on this Andrew Luck I think myself and Fitz had Andrew Luck as our guest beforehand and you had uh, David Johnson yes so, well that didn't work out did it yeah so like Luck is obviously he's coming back at a, a remarkable pace he's I think he's second only to Mahomes in the number of touchdowns thrown and he's he, after a week or two of rust is there anyone who can challenge him JJ Watt maybe but fuck that guy, like. Yeah, that's, that's that's fair. That's fair. He'll have a little music video to hype up his comeback uh, player campaign. Oh, did he? Fuck. <laughs> no, he'll probably try to. Oh. Yeah. Especially when he gets like jip, or what he perceived to get jipped out of the defensive player of the year by a superior player. Yeah. <laughs> our next, our next category was our breakout player of the year. So I said Kay Pisano. Fitz said Michael Dixon, punt god, and Harry said Freddie Morris. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think. But Fitz seems to be sticking with his Ed Dixon point. Uh, Ed Dixon? Michael Michael Dixon, not Ed Dixon. I love Michael Dixon. He's still a punt god. He made that run against Detroit. Very, very fun. Uh, But like... uh, if I'm being serious, James Conner is probably the breakout player, in my opinion, this yeah. season. Uh, I'm, I'm swapping mine to Pat Mahomes, because, you know, it's also probably a fairly obvious candidate. No one was really expecting this level of production. And... Harry, you're swapping to uh, Marlon Mack. Two games. Two games. Yeah, two two games. <laughs> what what a pair of games! I think he's going to be an absolute beast for the rest of the season. He's on pace for four good games. Yeah, because he'll, he'll, he'll have two more good games, and then his leg will fall off again. Yeah, it'll be phenomenal. Oh, what a two games they will be. Yes, uh, we were all uh, <laughs> we were all in agreement on offensive rookie of the year. There was going to be Sam oh Darnold. Boy. Oh that boy. is not common. To be fair, I think it was always it's always a safe bet to go like, well, whichever rookie quarterback is going to definitely start, they've got the best chance. But uh, no, it, uh, we were all in agreement on Saquon Barkley, right? I don't think any of us saw that. Even though the Giants would be absolute trash, which ended up being true, Saquon would somehow manage still to be really good. Yeah. 
very impressive. Both Saquon's hard. Chop top for him. Yeah, no, of course. Defensive Rookie of the Year. I went for Derwin James. Harry went for Derwin James. And uh, Fitz, you went for, for Roquan Smith. So uh, I'm sticking with, with Derwin James. He's having a great year so far. Uh, Fitz, you're swapping to him. And Harry, you're swapping to Denzel Ward. Oh, yeah, good why? Like, I just think the, the play we've seen out of Ward in that in Cleveland has just been remarkable. Like, yeah. his instincts and ability plays. And I think corner is a harder position for a rookie than safety mm-hmm. and I'm so just incredibly impressed with his ability to blanket receivers now he's gone and hurt himself this week so he's probably not going to win the award yeah. but uh, I just think the play they got out of him that's a future CB1 lockdown guy oh it is incredible and he is great uh, the, the one thing I was saying with James it, it, yeah. it's both a, a good performance and also the fact that he's on a team who's probably going to be in the playoffs and is going to be a good defensive unit so I think he's going to be exposed a lot more and that, that normally plays well for that kind of position defensive player of the year okay so we're all sticking with our choices uh, mine is getting hard a little bit because he's, he's, he's missing a game or two so it, uh, Khalil Mack for myself I'm going to stick with him because he is still like th- those first couple of weeks is just incredibly dominant uh, and you guys have both got Aaron Donald off the Rams and you're sticking with him because well look he's probably most tackles for a loss most pretty much uh, all the good things so I think he's, he's not he's not most sacks is he I thought um, uh, the, the uh, Dan- Danielle Hunter is isn't he Maybe so, but I think, well, before this week he was... Well, like, Daniel Hunter got, like, nine sacks on Sam Bradford yeah, last week. <laughs> or, no, sorry, who was it? Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he might as well have been Sam Bradford <laughs> back there, in fairness. <laughs> That's my bad, guys. It's my bad. <laughs> quarterback getting pasted into the earth, and he's like, oh, I assume that's Sam Bradford. <laughs> I was just on the bench. Why would he keep hitting me? <laughs> Like to be honest, there's there's a couple of good. Uh, I think all, all their honourable mentions in this are probably going to be like JJ Watt is probably in there because he's having a big year as well, but he's falling off a little bit, and that that defense is falling off a little bit. Uh, MVP is up next, so uh, we had two Tom Brady's and one Aaron Rodgers uh, in our preseason picks. That has now changed to I'm going Pat Mahomes. Uh, Fitz is going Pat Mahomes or Drew Brees. Howard, uh, pick one. Fucking pick one. Co MVP there. Co MVP. Split vote. Boo. And uh, Harry is going for Todd Gurley. Yes. Yeah. These all make a lot of sense, to be honest. Is there anyone who would be kind of sniffing around the outside of this list? Well, if Brady wins another Super Bowl. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but he's not really mm. having his best year. He's not. But these things, at the end of the season, you know, quarterback play counts. And if... Yeah. But uh, it really, really see what happens down the stretch. Other than that, it's very difficult. If they manage to overhaul the, the Chiefs... And win the AFC West, I think Philip Rivers would be. That's a fair point. Could do, yeah. Quarterback no, scored over two touchdowns in every game. Yeah, I know. I love the I love these very specific stats that yeah. people come out with. You know, oh, he's, he's, he's the only one who's had who's had two touchdowns in every game. It's like, okay, so where is he on the touchdown total? Oh, he's like seventh. Uh, but he's he's had two in every game. Yeah, consistency. Very good. What teams has he beaten? Oh, he only lost to two good teams. Uh, what teams has he beaten? Not a team over five hundred. Like. I don't know, lads. I don't know. Uh, our, our, our top long snapper of the year, none of us have changed because I don't think any of us learnt the names of any more long snappers. Uh, James Winchester, Tyler Ott, and Hunter Bradley. Yeah. So we're going to go. I don't even know if Hunter Bradley made the roster. Like. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know, it doesn't matter. Even if he's not appreciated, sometimes artists aren't appreciated true, in their own true. lifetime. Um, some of our not so good player awards that we had. So this is our coming their back player, the worst defensive back. I said it was going to be Philip Gaines, and I'm sticking with Philip Gaines. He has been atrocious. He's also going to turn up in another one of these categories as well. Fitz, you had Eli Apple, and you're swapping to Ron Parker. Yeah, 
he, Ron Parker's greatest gift has been to make you miss Eric Berry even more, if that's somehow possible. Yeah, it's, <laughs> to be honest, it's made it's made me miss like rookies who are injured who I've seen eight <laughs> snaps of. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, your your one didn't work out too well there, Harry. I uh, know Jason McCourty has been a really pleasant surprise this season. So I've switched to uh, Ken Crawley, mm. uh, who was so bad that the Saints traded for Eli Apple to replace. Him. Yes, which is which is very impressive to be honest. Uh, our next one is the Brandon Brenner uh, Most Flags Memorial Award. So uh, our guests of this were Akeem Talib, Garrett Bowles, and Taylor Dewan. Just so we know, as it stands at the moment, <laughs> Philip Gaines is leading in yardage with hundred and thirty-one yards of penalties and uh, Desmond Harrison the Cleveland offensive lineman is uh, 11 penalties against him which is currently leading the league uh, we have the Jamarcus Russell's biggest hype train crash award I am sticking with my one of uh, Swag Kelly just as the Broncos thought they were going to turn to him to save their season he has been cut uh, <laughs> uh, you had Mitch Trubisky uh, Fitz what do you think mm. now so I've moved over to the 49ers. Trubisky, I don't know if he's a good quarterback enough, but he's, his legs have made them relevant enough that he, he gets away. Uh, the 49ers, I know it's been injuries a lot, but even yeah. before the injuries, they were looking pretty bad. It's only got worse from there, really. Even if they can't smush on a Oakland team. Like, yeah, that's true. Har- really bad at words, too, so that's okay. And Harry, you've, uh, you, you're sticking strong with yours. which Yeah, yeah. despite the other rookie quarterbacks disappointing, Josh Allen has quietly put together a really shit season. <laughs> Uh, we have the Low Expectations Award. So these are, yeah, so these are our ones where we don't think things are going to go too well. Uh, we have the Sanchez, the most embarrassing moment. I don't remember what I guess this would be, so I don't really have an answer. I'm just going to presume it was Raiders because I answered Raiders for most of these. Uh, so Fitz's answer beforehand was when the Raiders fire Gruden. Fitz's new answer is when the Raiders don't fire Gruden. <laughs> Reggie McKenzie instead. Oh, 100% that's going to be... Uh, you're going to sense a theme. I might have suggested that we're going to talk about the Raiders a little bit here. <laughs> You've decided that the most embarrassing moment will be the Bills QBs. And have I been wrong? You have not been wrong at all. Uh, that moves us on to the you like that worst quote of the year. Uh, I am going to stick with mine. And mine was when Sean McDermott says, we're going back to Nathan Peterman. I can't believe this happened. I can't <laughs> believe that Fitz's one happened as well. Fitz's previous guess was, well, things can't get any worse, says Reggie McKenzie. (laughs) Which is also going to be true. Harry's answer was also, we have full confidence in all of our QB options, says Sean McDermott. Good God, we did well on that this year. We did. It's a terror. We saw the trash fires coming. Oh, yeah. Keeping the homeless warm, uh, the dumpster fire of the year. Raiders. I'm sticking with the Raiders. Fitz, Raiders? Raiders, Raiders. All Always the Raiders. Raiders. And uh, Harry? A Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. yeah. And then AFC East Pride, mostly because that would take the Raiders to 8-8 in the preseason. No, of course. I mean, they can still technically do that. Yeah, <laughs> not going to, but I, they can. I don't know, actually. I think they're close to elimination now, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they can still go 8-8. But they wouldn't I mean, Mathematically. Be... Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. No, no, but sorry, sorry, they can't, yeah, sorry, they're eliminated from winning the division, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, uh, they're... Yeah, <laughs> but yes uh, so we'll move on to our high expectation awards so we'll see how these go so I like this, that whoever put this together has clarified that these are in fact predictions yes <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> excellent uh, thank you to all the staff working behind the scenes putting this together for us uh, surprise package team so these are the ones that surprised you the most you're expecting to see something more out of this year uh, I went with the Browns like they are a bit improved but you know that 
as we discussed, that dumpster fire of a coaching staff and mismanagement is going to stop that for me. Uh, so my surprise team at the halfway point is the Bears. Uh, I thought they were going to be okay. I didn't think they were going to be able to perform to this level. I definitely didn't think that they were going to be at the halfway point, like leading the division and like hunting for the playoffs. So they were my surprise. Uh, Fitz? I had the Jets initially. They had a, an, intro, an okay start, but they've really tailed off since then. So KC, like I, I wasn't low on KC, but they... The way that they've just come out of the game and Pat Mahomes in particular, just like I don't think anyone expected to be this good. So uh, now that they're genuine AFC favorite, they're even better than last year. I just I don't think anyone saw that coming. And uh, as a KC fan, I'm sure you're incredibly happy with that. Kind of oh, thing. very very happy with that. And uh, yourself, Harry? Yeah, I had the Browns, which I still think have done better than expected, but their coats are all terrible. So I switched to the Tampa Bay Ryan Fitzmagic's the team I predicted to go one and fifteen. Who looked like a one and fifteen team when James Winston was playing, but my God, when Ryan Fitz. Fitzpatrick was out there doing Fitz magic. Oh, just different team, unreal. Oh, yeah. unreal. It's great. It's great like, we, were watching, we were watching. We were watching like fun. Carolina game. We're like, oh, this game's completely over. And then all of a sudden, we're like, wait, hold on, <laughs> how are they back within a score? Oh, well, Fitzmagic's so... are on five hundred, I believe. So mm. not a lot of the time we've been here. The Fitzmagic's are five hundred. Yeah, the Fitzmagic's are. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Pretty and cool. some, some some decent wins in there as well. So are, have we seen any changes here? We have for me, but not for you guys. You guys are sticking with your earlier predictions. So, AFC champion, you've both got New England. Uh, I had New England, and I'm swapping to KC in an upset. Our NFC champions, we all have now got New Orleans. I had the Rams beforehand, but following on from last week. But I do think like that's one that could be very interesting towards the back end to see oh, yeah. how everything works out. Uh, I think that... like. In, we discussed this beforehand. I think actually in both divisions now we've kind of we thought that the NFC was significantly more stacked, and now there seems to be that kind of like two to three very strong entities in each, and then like a group of five or six below that that are fighting for the other three spots. In the NFC, I think there's still like a cohort of like wild card teams that could be interesting. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. in the AFC, the wild card bunch is pretty, except for the Chargers, pretty uninspired. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, and then. We've got our Super Bowl winner. This is interesting. So I've decided, in my predictions, Casey gets to the Super Bowl, but they do not win it. Drew Brees gets his second Super Bowl uh, win. Fitz, you had New Orleans, and you're sticking with New Orleans, yes? Yeah, I've been harping on this all year, so sticking here. Yeah, no, of course. And uh, Harry, you've got New England, you're sticking New England. Got to go over the homer pick there, although God, a New England, New Orleans Super Bowl would be... Incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. so would a New Orleans uh, KC one. Yeah. I was like, the uh, the New Orleans KC Super Bowl was like 53 to 50. Yeah, <laughs> KC on the losing side have been yeah. 15 off at the half. Like. Yeah. No, <laughs> too, too, uh, too scary for me. And now what we're going to do is look at, quickly at some of the games from last week. So first up in the Ring of Honor, we have the LA Rams at New Orleans Saints that we kind of referenced there a little bit earlier, 35 to 45. This was a fantastic game. Saw a huge amount of offense, a lot of variation in it. There was question marks raised, and this is question marks that have been raised for a little bit about this LA Rams defense. They spent a lot of draft capital on it. They spent a lot of money on it, and they're not getting the production they want, particularly the likes of Marcus Peters getting burned over and over uh, in this game. We kind of thought that this would decide who was actually the big dog in the uh, in the NFC. And obviously, Fitz, you're going to be quite happy with this. What with all your predictions going this way, that New Orleans were able to put their put down a marker, I suppose, on this Rams team and maybe show some people how to beat them, even if that is just play very, very, very well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think like you know, 
what the other teams don't have, with exception perhaps of the Patriots, is a quarterback like Drew Brees, like someone who's been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Basically, this year Drew Brees is playing at a level that we haven't really seen before. Like we we kind of saw last season with a balanced offense, he was able to play at a higher level without having as gaudy numbers. But this year he's combining that kind of gaudy performance he does with a more complete team around him, and it's creating a team which genuinely looks now with this win uh, the favorite in the NFC. I think you know you look at Alvin Kamara; he's as good, if not better, than Todd Gurley in my opinion. He's like different. Whoa! Slow down there. I think Alvin Kamara's ability to like basically get out of like uh, you know get out of the, the tight spaces and do some like I think his ability to do ridiculous things is just higher than Doug Gurley's. Doug Gurley's probably better bruiser every time back, but they have Mark Ingram. Oh anyway. oh, guys guys guys! I gotta stop breaking news on the podcast. Uh, New Orleans Saints have reached an agreement with Des Bryant. He's joining the Saints. What? <laughs> what? Yep. According to team sources, Des Bryant is now joining the Saints. Get on your fantasy uh, ads for there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yep, take, just like, uh, getting. Uh, does does, not, does, not does that change your interpretation of this team? Yeah, they're worse now. <laughs> More hilarious. Like Des is fine when you're winning. That's usually hmm. how it is. And like as I say, like Drew Brees is the difference. I think uh, Michael Thomas is obviously playing really well and has like an absolutely ridiculous game here. I, like obviously, it's really going to be close between teams like LA uh, and possibly whoever manages to get out of the. Um, at the NFC North, but I think the LA and New Orleans Saints are at a level above them. Mm-hmm. And if it's if it's in New Orleans again in the NFC Championship, which is what we expect that this to be a rematch of, then you have to give New Orleans a huge advantage there in that goal. Um, so yeah, this is a huge marker, and this could end up having major repercussions come January. Hundred percent. But when we look at this from the Rams' perspective, this is only their first loss of the season. It is to an excellent team. It is to a team that they're on the road to. It is to a team where they are in a very different environment in the dome than they're used to playing in at home to a half-empty coliseum. Like this is still a team that is stacked that was able to produce on offense against what is a pretty good defense from New Orleans. By comparison to some of the New Orleans defenses that we've seen over the years, it's nothing else. There was defensive mistakes, but they do have probably the best defensive coach in the league, uh, like as as a defensive coordinator. So you got to believe that they might be able to do that. They've drafted, they they've, they've traded for pieces to try and shore up issues on that defense. Like if you're an LA Rams fan, are you particularly worried about this, or are you taking this as a learning experience for a team that you are quite confident you're going to be facing at some point in the postseason? Yeah, I wouldn't be too negative about it. I mean, look, it's very hard to go undefeated, right? <laughs> as we know, it's very hard to go undefeated. It was, as you say, it's a tough place to go and play. It's against a team that was just getting hot at the right time, really. And they hung around with them. Like, realistically, this was game, yeah, New Orleans won by 10 points, but Marcus Peters wasn't an idiot. They might not have done. Like, this was... I think heartening, like, it, it, there was a loss, it was fine, but you looked competitive with an elite team, you know you have young pieces, you know you have dysfunction on the defense a little bit at the moment, so you're like, well, look, if we can sort those things out, it's fine. Okay, the way that they used Todd Gurley in this game wasn't very good in the end. Right, we know that causes problems. How do we get him more involved moving forward? How do we, you know, put Goff in a position where he doesn't make the critical mistakes? Like that one interception, again, that's a game-changing thing in a game like this, is having that turnover. Mm -hmm. What do you do to improve that kind of thing moving forward? And when you have such a micromanaged offense, as we know uh, from Sean McVay, that's kind of where you're like, look, I think 
if any team can figure this out, it's going to be the Rams. Now, I still think the Saints are a better team, personally. But anything can happen in the playoffs, and I, I don't think this is a disaster by any means. I think that what got exposed were things we knew were exposed. The offensive game plan was a little bit lacking at times, mm-hmm. and could have been more adapted. We could see it at that more in the second half, and more changes and try something a little bit different. But overall, I think it's still a really solid result from a solid team. This team is going to be a play- playoffs, and it's going to be in the shot for the Super Bowl. So I don't think there's anything too negative to take from it. No, no, of course. We'll move on to the neutral zone, and we'll have a look at the LA Chargers at the Seattle Seahawks, 25-17. to 17. Uh, Philip Rivers, again, having a very good game, uh, as people are saying, kind of MVP-level so, uh, season. I see in your notes here that he's got mo- the only player to have two-plus touchdowns per game. Again, cherry-picking yeah. fucking stats. Uh <laughs> Like Gordon's looking good, Keenan Allen. Look, they're shit. It'll be fine. Uh, no, they are actually quite a good team, and I'm not looking forward to playing them again because Bose is probably going to be back at that point. This was an interesting game because obviously the Chargers win it. There were some mistakes on both sides. I don't know what to make of this Seattle team at the moment. They've been playing much better defense of late. Their run game has started to establish their line. Like It just seems that all you need to do is fire cable and suddenly you're a much better team in the trenches. <laughs> you probably watch this the closest of the lot of us fits. What is it about this? Because like this is a good LA Chargers offense and you did hold them to 25 points. But like I just... I well, 19 because there was a pick six there, really. So Okay, so it's even closer than the score suggests, I suppose. But, like, what are you taking from this as a Seattle fan? Is this something that kind of says we can't hang fully at this point, that this is a developmental team? Or is this a spot where you're like, look, if this breaks even just two plays differently, we can take anyone on at any time? I, I think, like, I think it's a team that's well coached. I think Pete Carroll, uh, obviously, has earned a lot of respect uh, due to his record. But I do think it is a team that's thin. I think it's a team that's rebuilding. I think, you know, Chris Carson and DJ Fluker both got injured during this game. And like DJ Fluker, whatever his issues in fast protection, has been an absolute beast in the run game, like creating huge holes for Chris Carson. And like Mike Davis came in and did a serviceable job. He wasn't terrible by any means. But Chris Carson just gives that little kind of Marshawn Lynch type edge where you get to finish the play in a more aggressive way. Get that maybe extra yard or two that makes a difference. And I think once those were both out in that kind of period between in the in quarter in the third quarter they kind of lost the run game momentum it went from being like five yards of carry to something like three yards or two yards of carry and in that situation it kind of returns to what can russell wilson do and i think like a lot of the issues that exist in that pass game with russell wilson he still looks a bit nervous he still looks like he's a bit off and you know tyler lockett has been great off play action but can he be an every down type of receiver Doug Baldwin is still injured it's just it's, they kind of looked like basically seattle last season of offense in the sense they're just very, very inconsistent. Like when they've been really good this year, it's been get that run game going, getting five yards of carry, dominating the clock, dominating the game, and you can do it. And that really made a difference. I think the defense, it, there's a lot of young players. Uh, so the, like, the performances they're getting are really good, but there is some of the young players that your hope is that maybe we're building towards a great defense there, but they're not quite there, which is like that kind of inexperience, especially in. No, of course. So, Harry, this Chargers team is one that's obviously it's trying to push for. It's it's definitely in the wild card hunt. And to be honest, mm-hmm. it's only a game back from the from the Chiefs in the NFC in the AFC West at the moment. Uh, this is the kind of game that they had to win because it's the kind of one that you're you're not sure, and it's it, it's the kind of one that they would quite often drop in previous days. While they missed the kicks in the game, <laughs> missing those kicks didn't cost them the game, <laughs> which is somewhat of an improvement. They've got a couple of 
let's be honest, tomato cans coming up on their schedule. They've got the Raiders followed by the Broncos, followed by the Cardinals. But they do have Steelers, Bengals, Chiefs and Ravens uh, coming up at the back end of the schedule. Is this a team that you're looking at thinking rounding into form? Or is this a team that is kind of a pretender given that like the teams that they have beaten, we're looking at like the Titans, the Browns, the Raiders, the, the, the barely scraping past the 49ers, like Bills? Like this is... It's not a murderer's row that they've been playing. That's been a sort of Vikings about that one. But, uh, yeah, it's... Look, I think LA is a pretty solid team. like, And that's probably enough to be like the fourth best team in the AFC at the moment because, God, there's not a lot else going on. Yeah. Um, this team, like, I'd be very surprised if the Chargers aren't in the playoffs, but I think that's more testament to just the general lack of challenge in the conference beyond the top-tier teams. Uh, but let's be reasonable here. Like, It's not like... You can say, oh, they've only beaten up on tomato cans. They've also only lost to two really good teams. So we don't really know how good they are. And I mean, Seattle are probably as as kind of right now just a middle-of-the-road team who are pretty decent, having a bit of form. And I think that kind of win is actually important for us to gauge the Chargers and be like, okay, yeah, they can be decent teams. They're not going to be elite. They're not, we don't. Nobody expects them to go on a tear and knock off a bunch of teams in the playoffs. Heck, I don't even know if they're going to... You know, if they beat the Steelers, I'll be surprised. But... I think what we saw here was that this team is capable of beating tough opponents. It is capable of beating other like teams in that kind of maybe contender, maybe looking for the wild card mm. thing. And that's kind of good. Like what we saw, bear in mind, you're, you're slagging on Philip Rivers, fair enough. He has had a good season, but also Melvin Gordon has had a tremendous season. Yeah. He's been very good. We had another great game from Keenan Allen here. We saw uh, Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams have both emerged as genuine red zone targets. Like this is a pretty decent team. And, look, I mean, given all the disruption that's gone through, given all the chaos, all the move to L.A., the fact that the team has no fans, nobody likes them, nobody wants to watch them, they have to They have to do this. They have to be winning at football, and they have to be winning doing fun things. And I think they kind oh, of are doing that. And this is the thing. I gotta, I, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm imagining they're going to probably win their next three games as well. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting, them coming into the back half of the season, probably with, essentially, a, a, a wildcard spot clenched nearly at that point anyway, yeah. given what we're expecting. A lot I mean, of nine wins... Probably enough for a yeah. wild card at this point, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Joey Bowser going back, like, if he's back to what he is, then that could make a huge difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make, just make that team one of the more balanced teams. And, like, that's what I'm saying, like we're, we're, like, we're talking about one of their players as the defensive rookie. We're talking, like, they, they have pieces at all the levels, so it's just to see if they can just not charge it up. And they have tried, they're on to their next kicker now, Michael Badgley. Is yeah, Badgley is the yeah, new guy. Coach. <laughs> can't go any worse than the rest, right? Well, that's true. That's true. Didn't uh, Badgley with somebody earlier this season? I really, he, he he was played in preseason and made all his kicks, and then they that was it. Through. Yeah, the calls. That was <laughs> it. Yeah, I was trying to remember. Yeah. Right. Uh, so with that, we're going to move on to the dumpster fire. Houston at Denver, nineteen to seventeen. God, this was awful. Vance Joseph uh, was called a fucking idiot by the other team. That's uh, a conservative way of saying it. Yes. Yeah, thanks to the lip reading. Um, yeah, he made an absolute balls of this game in every moment he possibly could. Like he, like he messed up the end of the first half. He messed up the end of the second half. He mismanaged his clock. He made terrible play calling decisions. Like I don't understand why Denver fans aren't pulling their hair more and screaming more for both. Well, they all they all want fans Joseph's head, but also you gotta be looking at Elway's head as well at this point. Like he has not been able to find them a quarterback. Okay, they seem to have picked up some nice pieces in this year's draft, but he also like picked up successively terrible head coaches for them. Outside of them having coaches there and getting in Peyton Manning, like they would have done absolutely fucking nothing. 
this was not something that filled me with confidence. They've now lost their centre as well. They've traded away Demarius Thomas. I, I don't know. If, I, are Denver trying to like compete with the Raiders for tanking? No, I think they're not quite that level because I think they actually have some talent left and they don't have a megalomaniac in charge. Mm. Compared, like, compared to John Gruden, uh, John Elway is like uh, one of the most humble people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice of you to say. And, like, I think it, the problem for them is that right now, both their quarterback and their coach, we've said this already, both of them are in limbo, both of them are expected to be elsewhere next season. So I think it's just when those two positions aren't going to be there a year from now, it's just a team in limbo. I just going to leave them in a situation where the whole fan base is probably just more like if they know they're going to get fired, then why would you shout for them to get fired sooner? Because who else are you going to get really at this stage? Like Sam Bradford, come on. Like I think like Vance Joseph, he obviously is a defensive coach. Those mistakes that you made there, you know, in, in the in this season when people are going for fourth down, people are playing exciting plays. Like New Orleans went for fourth down to like ice the game against the Rams, and then you have Vance Joseph settling for a fifty-yard field goal to win the game, and inevitably they miss even though it's mile high, and you're like, well, that's just the Vance Joseph Denver Broncos to you. And the, the fact that Bill O'Brien may or may not call him a dumb fuck uh, for his miss at the end of the first half, like that probably says it. And the fact that Demarius Thomas basically came out afterwards and said, yeah, that's what they do in Denver. Thank God I'm not there anymore. Probably is an indication of where that locker room is right now. Uh, so on, on to next year for the Broncos, I'm afraid. Yeah, no, of course. Demarius Thomas actually slotted in quite well into this Houston team. Now, I think he only had three catches, but he had about 60, 70 yards and then a touchdown, I think. Uh, like, it was a good game from them. They were a bit scrappy, but they managed to pull out the win here. We were expecting to see a bit more explosiveness from this offense, although we do know they have their problems with their offensive line being Swiss cheese and all that kind of stuff. Is this something that makes you, that you as a Houston fan, feel hopeful? Or is the fact that it's such a close game against a team that has so many clear problems and essentially made the mistakes to give you the win... Does that worry you if you're a Houston fan? Well, I think what worries me is this team, with the exception of a couple of games, has been just turgid and mediocre and dull. Like, I mean, outside of when Deshaun Watson actually is successful in his, his type of play, and outside of obviously uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who was a generational talent on that offense, it's all just a bit, isn't it? Like, it, it's it's all fine. It's all we've come to expect from Bill O'Brien. It's all Bill Miller. <laughs> oh, my God. The run game is just a joke at this point. Like, I mean, I don't understand... What is going on when you like timeshare between Lamar Miller, who is crap, and Alfred Blue, who is crap? Like, this is the, the, the offense is just so predictable and dull. And yes, there's talent on the defense, but we've seen it, it's not performing at the level we've seen it do in the past. Guys like JJ Watt has lost a step, Whitney Merciless has lost a step, Clowney is fantastic, but again, he's getting more attention now because Watt mm. and Merciless are commanding less. Uh, the, the backfield is aging. Like, uh, this is a, it's a win, and this team is six and three, and this team is probably going to win the division and make the playoffs by default. Essentially, again, AFC South tradition. Team who are where they are by dint of the division they're in. And if you're a fan, this game does nothing to dispel any of those notions. With those names, maybe they can just come together and create lightning in a ball and become a good team. But yeah, with Bill O'Brien there, they've just never been that. So yeah, I think I agree with Don't expect that to happen. Yeah, so uh, that will do for our games from last week, and we'll move on and have a look at the games for next week. So first up, we have Carolina at Pittsburgh. We've gone Pittsburgh across the board. Uh, Ronan, tell us a quick bit about this game. Yeah, so obviously it's not really a matchup that you expect to happen. It's kind of one of those like, oh, Carolina versus Pittsburgh. No real context for this. But obviously you have two teams which are coming off a high. They're both coming on good win streaks. Pittsburgh, we know with James Conner, they have their 
running back of the future effectively. Antonio Brown is getting up, and Juju Smith-Schuster being brought in, and, and Big Ben, but basically like himself. And the defense has stiffened up a bit over the last month or so versus where they were kind of trash in the first week. On the other hand, you have Carolina. Obviously, their offense, they've done a lot of kind of trick plays and stuff like that. They've been okay, and their defense has really kind of come on a lot. Uh, in recent days, especially their defensive backfield, which we consider to be a liability. But I think the reason we're all probably going for Pittsburgh is that they're at home, and we just kind of expect that, like, Carolina, when they've won, there's been kind of a lot of, like, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, stuff like that, kind of, like, a lot of, kind of, like, moving the pieces. And I think a good team like Pittsburgh can probably suss that stuff out enough that they won't get away with that, and they won't get those kind of easy wins. And because Pittsburgh at home, you think you always have to give Nick the favorite there because they play so well in Heinz. Yeah, no, field, cool. so should be a good game for Thursday night. Oh, it should be indeed. I have seen many over recently. <laughs> yeah, I swapped I entirely just because I was thinking about it going like, I've made this mistake of picking against the home team on Thursday night once or twice too mm-hmm. often. Also, if, if any of our listeners want to really enjoy yourself, go and look up the highlight from the Carolina game of the double reverse jet sweep that uh, got them a touchdown. It was phenomenal. Uh, next up is Washington-Tampa Bay. I've gone for Washington. You two have gone for Tampa Bay. Um, you're backing Fitzmagic. I'm backing like Alex Smith. Smith I, magic. I still, I still think he's good, and I think Tampa Bay might actually have the worst defense in the league. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, uh, this is literally, I, I just that O line, I just feel is so critical to what they were doing, Washington, to be successful early on. And with that O line now down for probably at least a month or so uh, in terms of their tackles, I just feel they're going to fall apart really hard over this last back end of the season. This Washington offense versus this Tampa Bay defense, this is like the fucking stoppable force meets movable objects yeah, contest. Like, who is worse? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a messy one. I can see why you go for Fitzpatrick. I'm just like, eh, they've got they've got. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. It's gonna be a terrible game. Don't watch it. Arizona, Kansas City. We're taking Kansas City across the board. What do you reckon? Eight or ten touchdowns? <laughs> this has apparently got a line of like eighteen points on it. Like this point spread. Yeah, this, this this is presumably the kind of game where you'll end up benching your starters halfway through the third, like... Possibly, but it's also, this is very much, like, game at home against this team when then we've got, like, a Monday night in Mexico City game. Yeah, rest your starters. Uh, or trap game. <laughs> <laughs> I think trap game requires the opposing team to actually be able to play a game. Yeah, so Kansas City across the board. Next up is Harry's pick of the week, Buffalo at the New York Jets. My favourite thing about this was someone tweeted out going, uh, the New York Jets are favoured by eight points in this game. I don't know if they can score eight points. <laughs> I love being a pass fan. <laughs> like, this is... Oh, this is spectacular. Like, this is... I just love it. Like, the Bills were bad. We knew they were going to be bad. They had that weird sort of false dawn briefly against the Vikings, and now they've just gone back to being shit. All their quarterbacks are shit. All their running backs are shit. Their O-line is shit. Their defense is pretty good, but it doesn't matter because their defense is on the field for 50 fucking minutes a game. And then you've got the Jets, who after this brief moment, yes, something's coming together. We've got something special in Sam Darnold. He's just... He's turned to the fucking second coming of Mark Sanchez. Oh, he's terrible. more picks. Against Miami, and Miami. He, should, he should have thrown seven, but they he, dropped some. He threw four picks against a defense whose best player said, "Nah, fuck this, fam. I'm done," and sat down. Yeah, like these two teams are terrible. This is going to be a hilariously bad game. I'm not even sure it is. I'm not even sure. Like over under 100 yards of offense combined. Like this is it's, going to be. It is like trash. the Jets Miami game last week. It's not going to be fun. It's just no. going to be. Unwatchable. See, this is the thing you think that, but remember that time that these two teams played each other when they were both really bad, and then Buffalo forgot how kickoffs work. Oh yeah, <laughs> so there might be some. It was terrible. <laughs> there will be some moments of like just genius level incompetence in this. Yeah, though. Like I said, oh yeah, Jets are going to win though. 
Jets, yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, uh, Jacksonville at Indianapolis, we're taking Indy across the board. Jacks, like, just please turn it around and show us something because this is. I don't know, fuck it. For a bit of crack, I'm going to go with Jacksonville in this one. Fournette should be back this week. They're in division, and it makes sense that these guys are going to make a balls of it and, like, lose games to each other. Um, the Jags lose, the sooner they'll drop Drake Bortles and we'll all be happier for it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Marlon Marks can get, like, 150 scrimmage yards. They were offered it. So the, they traded... Uh, was, it, was it Fowler Jr. they traded? Yes. Uh, the last they were offered a straight-up swap of, for him of Teddy Bridgewater, and they did not take it, which is an interesting. Earlier on in the season... Uh, Tom Coughlin looked at him and was like, oh, he looks a bit... Uh, Uppity. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, so this is that. Uh, next up, Detroit to Chicago. We're going for Chicago across the board. Yeah, Detroit feel like a team on the precipice of having a really bad back half of the season. They got absolutely destroyed up front by Minnesota. Uh, and Chicago definitely have a defensive front, especially if Cleo Mack is playing to, to take advantage of that. And Chicago, they've been okay in offense. I think that should be enough to get the Detroit defense. Yeah, no, fair enough. Next up is my pick of the week, New Orleans at Cincinnati. Who would have thought this would be a game that would be a pick of the week? <laughs> New Orleans looking great. Cincinnati needing to get back in form if they want to try and compete for a position in the postseason. We've gone for New Orleans across the board, but I think there should be enough explosiveness on both sides of the, of the ball to make this an enjoyable one to watch. And New England at Tennessee up next. New England across the board. Uh, Titans. Yeah, the Titans are terrible. New England aren't terrible. They're done by yeah. moving on. Uh, Atlanta at Cleveland. Atlanta across the board. Uh, Cleveland have a nice defense, but Atlanta are an actually fully complete football team. Uh, they have issues, but they don't have as many issues as Cleveland. They're desperate. They're desperate to win these. Things. Yeah, they need to at this point. Next up, the Chargers at the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Fitz, we, we've gone for the Chargers across. Like, do do Oakland have fifty two? Do, 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 do they have 52 men to t- make up a roster or 53 men to make up a roster like they've just been cutting them left right and centre yeah they, they have like like some people they got from retirement home or something I don't know oh yeah it's just the angry fans that's about what they are it's have, uh... just awful so Chargers across the board for that one Seattle at the Rams we're going for the Rams across the board I could see Seattle putting up a bit of a fight in this one but I think the Rams are going to be annoyed after losing last week and they're going to want to try and take some revenge expect a good hard hitting a lot of hard running stuff in this one that should be good fun Miami at Green Bay is up next Green Bay across the board Harry yeah I briefly thought this game was really competitive but that's because I misread my Miami is Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> Green Bay are going to crush them. Miami are pathetic. Miami won their game last week with 178 yards yeah, of offense. They won that game by fucking accident, it was basically. awful. <laughs> Brock, they, they cannot wait to get... Like Even though he's not great, they cannot wait to get Tannehill back. Uh, Dallas at Philly. Philly across the board. Uh, Fitz? Yeah, Dallas like laid an egg on, on Monday Night Football, losing to uh, a Tennessee team we don't rate. Uh, like Philly just feel like a team that we're all expecting to kind of get hot at some point and take over that division whereas Dallas just feel like a team in, in a tailspin right now especially with Jerry Jones going all off on the radio yeah. the team can I just offer a very important caveat which is that I do not think Philadelphia are going to go off this season I think they're going to continue to struggle because that entire division is just garbage yeah, it's not very... Uh, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, they have to play people in that division, so that would mean that they'll look good. <laughs> I, I don't think that's true so far. <laughs> no, it's just, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. This is, this is one that, like, normally you get a bit of fun out of these ones, but I don't know if this will be a fun game to watch. Uh, I would probably avoid. And finally, New York Giants at the San Francisco 49ers. Good God, avoid like this, like that play. Uh, we're taking... Uh, sorry, yeah, Mullins to Kittle is the new <laughs> Montana Rice. Like, come on. Yeah. 
to George Kittle either. But like in the, in, 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 in the same way that like I'm not advising people go out of their way to watch the Kansas City game because there's no point watching Kansas City beat the shit out of Arizona. Like San Francisco are going to kick the shit out of the Giants, right? Well, I, I wouldn't bank on that actually. Like they are still quite bad. But this could be fun, I think. I think this is going to be a bit sloppy and kind of interesting in that sense. Like, Nick Mullins, though, what a lad. What a yeah, lad. he is some lad. The Giants have, that, have the kind of talent on their team that they could have that one good game against, like, a mediocre opponent where they look good. But uh, I don't think you could ever predict which one that will be because they're so bad the rest of the time. Yeah, like, they're, they're, they're messy and they're travelling all the way across and they're away. Like, if yeah, there's... OBJ, Saquon, whatever. But yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, like, yeah, San Francisco win. Uh, the only thing that's going to be important in that one is going to be like you know late late scoring for your fantasy teams, and that's about it. Who uh, has any giants on their fantasy team? OBJ Saquon. and Saquon are probably on people's teams. Uh, but yeah, so I that'll... forgot both those players existed. Yeah. And George Kittle. Oh yeah, and George Kittle. That's yeah, true. yeah, it's true. Uh, and, and and whoever San Francisco signed to become the next running back. Well, Matt Breida is still alive. Yeah, in theory, in theory. He's, uh, he's, now, you see, the thing is, he hasn't suffered a season-ending injury for a game, and he was pants. So clearly he gets his power from... From pretend <laughs> injuries, yeah. Uh, oh my God, he's a new Ben Roethlisberger. Who, mm. Did you did you enjoy Ben Roethlisberger nearly dying last week? Well, he didn't nearly... You know what I mean? When he was like, oh, I nearly... I thought oh, I'd yeah. die. It was yeah. like, Ben Roethlisberger's now going from pretending to be injured to literally pretending to be dead yeah, to get sympathy. Just like, ridiculous. Me. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll... Breaking news, Nick Mullins has been confirmed to be starting this week. Yeah, Nick Mullins hype train guy. Yeah, there you go. Here's your, there's your waiver wire target for tomorrow morning. Uh, even though this comes out a day after you get your waivers, so uh, <laughs> fun times. But yeah, so that'll do us for this week. So uh, any cracking shots? Has any plans for the weekend? Obviously, I'm off to Cardiff. You uh, any fun plans up in Dublin? I feel like I do. I can't remember what I'm doing. I've been predicting that since before the season I said I knew exactly what was going to happen I was going to go on a tear and then I was going to lose to the second best team and I was going to outscore them by a couple of hundred points and st- over the season and still lose so I don't mind that no I'd say we'll probably just yeah, have to be over football I feel like there is something on that Saturday but I don't yeah what about yourself uh, for Sally Crackdown in Cark yeah we're I'm a week out for the from the like the no, autumn release of the uh, of our software so Busy, busy work until next week, and then freedom. Excellent, uh, excellent. Ending, of course, in that amazing weekend of sport. Yes, yes. Yeah, on the Monday night. Yes, that'll be good fun. Now, it'll be, uh, it'll be a good crack. Uh, but yeah, so I suppose that'll wrap us up for this week. If you have any questions, get us on Facebook or on Twitter or on all of those other things. But yeah, for doubt, bye from myself, bye from Harry, goodbye, bye from Ronan. Maybe John Gruden will get some people left from that caravan to play in that game. Could do, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, goodbye. Ah, oh, man. I think that would have worked better if one of the Mexico City teams was shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that'll do us for now. This has been all for our quarter. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next time.